The winning may have come to an end to a degree a little bit uh, late afternoon yesterday. Uh, I'm tuning into the NBA in-season tournament. Uh, uh, Pacers are good. Uh, Bucks uh, defensively was pretty good for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Offensively, I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo had it going on. Damian Lillard really couldn't get a shot going. Um, how much of the in-season tournament did you watch, Roddy? Bucks fall one twenty-eight to one nineteen. They're eliminated. I may have fallen asleep for the first half <laughs> and watched the entire second half. And third quarter was sick for the Bucks. Basically, I tweeted it out. My second half takeaways from that Bucks Pacers game. I didn't see this tweet. Was basically the the effort. And defense in the fourth quarter became optional <laughs> because it didn't look like dude Chris Middleton on defense in the fourth quarter. Oh, forget about it. Holy liability. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, like it didn't even look like he was trying. No, at some point in time because he got anointed by LeBron. Remember you said that. Um, another big takeaway that I had was they must have been watching the Wisconsin Badgers big men and how they finish at the rim. Cause it was Giannis <laughs> missed layups. Brooke Lopez missed a putback. Uh, Damian Lillard missed multiple shots uh-huh. that were right around the rim. I think Chris Middleton had a miss around the rim. I, I mean, name the player. I Dude. think they had a miss around the rim in the second half. Yeah. It was, it was crazy how many close putbacks they didn't, actually it's, make it is mind-boggling Giannis had a great game 13 of 19 shooting and he was 11 of 13 from the charity stripe 11 of 13 for Giannis is amazing he also grabbed 10 rebounds so Giannis had 37 points but Chris Middleton um he was pretty nice from beyond the arc other than that it was a little tough Damian Lillard had a really tough game he uh, could not get much going uh, for Dame time. And then, um, I don't know, they're so light, the Bucks are right now. Uh, you know, you got uh, you got Jay Crowder out with, a, he had surgery. Uh, Pat Connaughton's out with a, a sprained ankle. So they're a little light. But, man, I can't, the, the Pacers are pretty good. Like, Halliburton can ball. Like, the Pacers, and the the Pacers bench totally outpaced the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, uh, most people well. know this, but Halliburton's from Wisconsin. He played at Oshkosh North. Did you hear that on the broadcast? No, but. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Say the piece. No, same no, that was just a a thing. No, but not it's, that he's from Wisconsin. It's funny because he wasn't recruited by Wisconsin. Yeah, th- <laughs> here's what I heard on the broadcast. He didn't grow up a Bucks fan either, Rowdy. Like oh, that's a kid that's in his early to mid twenties. Do you think he? Do you, do you think he saw a lot of good Bucks? Because they said on the broadcast it was they were talking about him being from Wisconsin, obviously. And then it was, yeah, Halliburton said he didn't grow up a Milwaukee Bucks fan, so he didn't really care for the deer growing up. I was like, a kid from Wisconsin didn't like the Bucks? Probably like the Bulls or something. Yeah, then he had to think about how the Bucks were at that well, yeah. point in time. I think he's in his, I think he's 23-ish. So if you think about it, he was probably graduating high school around 20, 2018. That's crazy to say. Remember when the Bucks were officially good for the first time? That was 2018, 2019. Yeah. Like the rest of his entire life. Like he's not as he's not as old as I am cuz my early memories of the Bucks are like 2001. Yeah. So so if he's poof, 5, 6 years younger than I am, so he doesn't have those 2001 type memories. He basically knows like the 2005 Bucks to the 2000 and which now Bucks. Which wasn't Good at Which all. his entire childhood would have been seven Pain. and eight seeds or no playoffs. Pain and misery. Is just, so when I said, when they said on the broadcast, Halliburton said he didn't grow up a Bucks fan. I was like, what? You're from Wisconsin. And then I'm like, oh, kind of makes sense. There's the Bucks stunk. I just like how it's another, another player from the state of Wisconsin that obviously had division one offers that wasn't recruited by Wisconsin. Yes. And then is having success, not, not only at the college level, but clearly at the professional level. (laughs) So uh, Bucks fall. um, They're done. They're done. In season tournament, they're out. But it's also was a regular season game as well. So wrap your head around that one a little bit. It, it, It counts towards the regular season record. But now they're out of the in-season tournament. It'll be Pacers versus the Lakers. Um, but uh, Damian, I have to get Damian Lillard's comments. Conspiracy it was, it was kind theory. Of, it was kind of funny. Conspiracy theory, the Bucks, who... They're like, we don't care, but we do care. Since they signed Giannis long-term, and they brought in Damian Lillard to pair with him as the one-two for the next, what, three years? or the, We'll just say the foreseeable future. Yeah. They're all in it 
to win it for the real championship, yes. not these in-season tournaments. They conspiracy theory, conspiracy <laughs> theory. Yes, they wanted to put extra cash into their fringe NBA level talent teammates. Yeah, but they didn't want to go any further than having to play an extra extra game game because their eyes is on the championship prize and not on the in-season tournament prize like LeBron's takeaway when all of this started. So they wanted to make the most money possible but not play the extra game because they want their legs fresh for the end of the season. For Conspiracy Theory Friday, Rowdy, that's how you started out big time right there because every game counts for the regular season except which game? The championship. That's Which, the extra game. If they would have won last night, they would have been playing in the championship. Been 83 games this year as opposed to 82. Also, on the broadcast, they were talking about how the Pacers were one of the younger teams. Yeah. I think we all know as Bucks fans that this is an aging Bucks team mm. because it's been basically the same roster since like 1819. Lopez. And it's only gotten older Lillard. and kind of gelled together. And Middleton. yeah. You, you actually brought in Damian Lillard, which didn't make you any younger. No. So clearly this is a young man's in-season <laughs> tournament. The older teams, they're they're just in it to uh, hit their allotted number. Here's Damian Lillard's comments afterwards. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, so he was asked, you know, was this loss to the Pacers just a regular season loss? Or are you concerned for the playoffs? Down the road, here's Dame time. I think it's a little bit of both. You know, obviously we're not going to make it bigger than what it is because it's, it's December. Um, but I think it was just it's one of those moments where it's like it's not everything because we're going to continue to play, but it's we were playing to stay here, you know, for the game Saturday. And, you know, you want an opportunity to, to win the prize, and you want that for your, your younger teammates. You want to extend your week here and just continue to be a part of the event. So when something is on the line like that, the stakes are higher and it's a good moment to to test yourself and, you know, see who you are when those moments come and how you're going to respond. Um, but I would say that's that's really it. You know, there's it's <laughs> nothing more than that. I think more than anything, it's an opportunity for us to um, to build from. You know, it gives us something to, to build off of. I think in, in some of the games where we've struggled most, you know, there's a lot of things that we can take away from it. Um, and each of those games is, is very similar, you know, in the areas that we struggled and the things that we didn't do well enough. So um, I would say that's the that would be the main thing, you know, but it's I wouldn't wouldn't think too deep into it. You know? <laughs> so Basically, you my takeaway from those comments were, yeah, you know, we kind of wanted to, to help out the some of the teammates and put some extra money in their pocket. Yeah. It's December, dude. I can't say this publicly because the NBA has a regular season <laughs> issue. Uh, it's December. Yeah. Un- whatever. And then I feel like the the back end of that is also, yeah, maybe we are a good team. We played decently well, but maybe Indiana has our number to a point. Yeah. He's like, well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, it's, you know, a regular season aren't game. They now technically 0-2 against the Pacers. Yeah, they are because they lost earlier in the year as well. And here about, how about this? So Halliburton, the dude from Wisconsin, he hit the dagger late in that game. Uh, from beyond the arc, and he did the Dame Time call celebration, uh, the, or the, the 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 watch celebration, the Dame Time celebration, right in Dame's face. Did you see that, Rowdy? Yeah, and then he said, "What time is it? My time." Yeah, my time. It was pretty. It was pretty cold. It was pretty badass. Uh, Damian Lillard was asked about it after the game. Here's, here you go. Tyrese, uh, he did like the Dame Time at the yeah. uh, in the game. Being a vet, like when you see like the new kids doing that, or like you know, NBA players looking up to you in that way. Like, how does that make you feel seeing, like, someone do that? I mean, it's when you, uh, I learned as a as a kid, you know, when you dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. And for as many times as I've done it to people, you know, I can't be upset when um, somebody else does it. You know what I mean? I think that's also um, a sign of respect and acknowledgement for, you know, knowing my history and knowing what I do. And, uh you know, I, I didn't mind it. Um, was what it was. I just I've also known that, you know, when you having your moment is it's important to be careful and to to be humble when you having your moments because you just never know how the tables turn and when they're gonna turn. So um, I respected it. You know, I didn't think we shook hands after the game and I I wasn't moved by it left or right. 
<laughs> there's Damian Lillard. Okay, hey, Dame, you're getting old, dude. There's now young kids doing your celebration right in front of your face as they're beating you. And they might be better than you. Yeah. Dame had a tough game. Um, he, he came on a little later, obviously. I don't think he got his first bucket till the second quarter. So, you know, Dame had a, a little tough of a game. But here's the thing. It's, it's now just a regular season game. Rowdy, the NBA in-season tournament ain't going away. How do you feel about it? As our, our team is out, obviously, there's one game left, Lakers, Pacers. But how do you feel about it? I mean, it's entertaining. I entered the in-season tournament looking at the gaudy courts and was totally out. The courts got less gaudy. They did get better, except for the Vegas. Okay, the Vegas one last night, not a fan. The What was it? The red, the, white, and blue, basically? Yeah, it was like the NBA colors. Yeah. Like, and the black. It was, a, it was a little too much. That's why the... Um, I, the one previous the Bucks were on was where it was good. just the green down the yeah. down the middle with like kind of the yeah little trophy at midcourt. It was fun. I mean, the NBA in season tournament. As much as we, I'm not saying that. As all mu- I'm saying, it was fun. I enjoyed it. All I'm saying is the courts got slightly better for the most part, where it was watchable with your eyes. Clearly, the teams cared about it a little bit more than regular season games outside of the bottom feeder teams that just suck in general, <laughs> like the, like the wizards who had no shot. Yeah. Um, but by the end of it, I'm only really thankful that they were put on television so that the common person that had a, you know, standard cable could watch it. That's, that's my only big takeaway. I'm not all, I'm not jumping from this sucks to I'm in, I'm, I'm right in the fence saying it was eh. I'm just glad it was on TV. It made a regular season game, a couple regular season games, more fun, a little cooler to watch than it would like just at the end of the day, it's still a regular season game. It was fun in its own unique way, and I would watch it again. There was a little bit more of an atmosphere um, that's it was a little more caring out there on the court as opposed to a normal regular season. Well, now game. that the Bucks are done, obviously they're not going to be playing what would have been Saturday yeah. for the championship in Vegas. Yeah. So with that being said, Bucks eliminated, no more nationally televised in-season tournament. They will not be on TV for your standard cable package <laughs> until Christmas. Wow. Yeah. That's all. I mean, it's not that far away, but still it's from not. all the games they had to on national TV to like, you just now cold Turkey, but it's, it's still long. It's almost three weeks yeah. away. Uh, Monday, the bucks will get back at it as they host the bulls at the Pfizer form. And that's not on. No, that's not on national TV. Cause you gotta wait to rig it. I, I did say that earlier. It was it earlier when we were talking about this, then they're on national TV, like six times in January. Yeah. So there you go. There, the NBA NCAA tournament done for the Milwaukee bucks. And it'll be done tomorrow. As uh, Lakers Pacers. Halliburton, dude, that guy can ball. How the turn tables turn. Uh, a lot of people wanted, well, not a lot of people, but some people, a faction, wanted the Bucks' new head coach, Adrian Griffin, fired like five games into the season. Because, <laughs> and, and then we started talking about this, Rowdy, that he was, uh, he brought in a new defensive scheme and brought in some new concepts, and immediately the players are like, we're not doing that. Yeah, this ain't it. This ain't it, dog. And then, Adrian Griffin's like, okay, you're right. I'll change. I'll bend. And he did that. It was like one of the examples was he was changing how Brooke Lopez was playing defense. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, we need Brooke Lopez to get more depth when he sags. And it's like, that's what he's been doing here the last few years. And I don't know. He was like in the mix for defensive player of the year here as of late. Why, Why would you tinker with something like that? Yep. Then we had the, just the, the narrative that. The players are giving him, yeah, the, uh, like, like they're telling him what to do and telling him what they think will work. Which I get that to a point. Well, I mean, NBA is a players, think it's a players gotta, league in the NBA, and I think coaches we better off listening to players here and there. Yeah, obviously, if you listen to everything they say, what is your purpose here? Correct. Like, I mean, what are you actually taking into doing? consideration? And you know, yeah, and it's the same thing with like an NFL quarterback. If a Tom Brady and an Aaron Rodgers like a receiver that's on the open market or maybe like a receiver in the draft. That's we asked them you know, how they feel. Didn't have say in that, but do our due diligence <laughs> recruiting, you know, recruiting nah. and, and uh, scouting the player. Uh-huh. And maybe we end up taking him. and maybe he goes a little bit farther up our board because our star quarterback likes him. That, 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 right? that will work for Tom Brady than yeah. Aaron Rodgers. But, but yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit, you get a little bit of, Rogers be like, Hey, can we get a receiver the first round? 
Nah, best I can do now is an offensive lineman, though. <laughs> like, when you're an NBA coach, and we all know it's a player-driven league, and you come in and be like, well, guys, nothing I've done has worked. What do you guys think we well, should we do? Thinking? Well, that just drives that stigma that it's basically a player league, and you can throw anyone out there to coach, and in the regular season, you'll be fine if you have good players. Does that not? Yeah. So, last night, after the Bucks lost, now, if you watch the game, it was a little disjointed at the end. Afterwards, Bobby Portis called out his coach, Adrian Griffin. He was upset about the lack of organization down the stretch. He and Portis said that while the team needs to execute better, the coaching staff has to put them in a position to succeed. Griffin was, quote, receptive to the criticism and acknowledged he has to be better. And here's, the, here's a little piece of the article. The lack of a cohesive plan was particularly notable on a Chris Middleton turnover with just over two minutes to play. Uh, they talk about how that all like spiraled out of control. All of a sudden, the Bucks were looking at a 10-point you know, double uh, digit. No pun intended, but... Chris Middleton has looked like a deer in the headlights the last two and a half years. Yeah. He's a complete liability. Milwaukee's offense down the stretch in games has been excellent this season. Their nine clutch wins, defined as a score being within five points with five or fewer minutes remaining, are tied for most in the league. However, they say, this isn't the first time there's been signs of potential trouble. After their win over the Heat, uh, Griffin revealed that Giannis Adinokounmpo changed a play he drew up in the huddle to get Middleton involved. Then there was an overtime loss to the Bulls where... Giannis lamented their tendency to rely on their talent and not their coaching and their plays. So, well, that's why you brought in Damian Lillard, though. Here's too, one thing for talent. me, and we yeah. haven't talked about this when talking about Adrian Griffin and and you know, I guess how people perceive him as a coach, both fans and now players. Yeah, remember the weird interaction that was amongst the Bucks staff right before the season, where Terry Stotts kind of ab- abruptly resigned. Yeah, he just quit. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm out of here. He, he re- abruptly resigned. It wasn't like a week. It wasn't okay. like a week before it was the right season. Before yeah. the like season a week started. and a half. Yeah. You know, like, he's like, pieces. I'm out of here. Deuces. We'll so this is my later. thinking with Terry Stotts. <laughs> Terry Stotts had been a longtime NBA coach. He coached the Bucks before. He was coaching Damian Lillard in Portland, right? Yeah. He's an established NBA head coach. Now, clearly there are better head coaches out there than Terry Stotts, right? Mm. I mean, Greg Popovich, I mean, we can go right on down the line. It's not like he's a top-end coach. Well, he was an assistant. But <laughs> but he's been there. He's done that. Uh-huh. He's been a head coach before. I wonder that when he was brought on to this Milwaukee Bucks staff, that he's sitting there as a guy that um, I feel like I could be safe to say was a middle-of-the-road NBA coach. Yeah. He wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. He was good enough to be there for a while. He was sitting there. Watching how Adrian Griffin and, and some of these practices and, you know, types of, of new ideas were being implemented or incorporated and, and how it was being received. And he's like, this this isn't NBA head coaching type <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then as they a guy then as a guy that has been there, done that, was like probably came up and was like, hey. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Well, then there's the power dynamic of a, you know, a, a boss. And like Terry's, his, Terry's his, hasn't been there, done that. And Griffin yeah, hasn't. Yeah. But, but, but Griffin is his boss. Yeah. And now he's sitting there going, well, I know this is wrong because I've been the boss before. Yeah. Screw this. I'm out of here. I can't do this. Well, the re- this isn't right. The report was that like Terry Stotts took the players to his own little huddle and was talking them up. And that's Griffin what I'm saying. Got mad like, about it. So, yeah, yeah. it well, almost feels like he saw stuff where he's like, this isn't NBA caliber. This isn't right. Let's do it this way. And clearly they couldn't coincide with each other and they couldn't, uh, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't going to work because he saw that it wasn't to the level that yeah. he expected. And he is a guy that had been in the NBA for a long time as a head coach. Bucks though, still one game out of the uh, top spot of the East. So there's that. And I feel like this is going to be what we talk about with the Bucks all year yeah. long. Hey, the Bucks are pretty good. They're 15 and 7. The Bucks are top few team in the East. But they're still having, you know, coaching issues and <laughs> losses here and there. And all right, they got the second seed in the East. Let's play the playoffs. More will be revealed. Our gambler of the stars, Dave Essler. Good morning, David. What's up, brother? Well, me barely, but I'm, I'm ready to let my mind loose. Oh, let's let's get loose with it, Dave. Dave, how? But real quick, how's everything going in Florida? How are you living? Living large, my brother. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm shooting seventy-five on the golf course. 
I'm svelte. I got a massage yesterday. Ooh. I have a wedding to go to this afternoon. I mean, you know, I, I'm almost at the right hand of God, brother. Safe to say you are dialed in, Dave. My man. That's what I'm talking about. Dave Essler, follow him on Twitter, Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R, pregame.com. Also a new winner's takeout that his podcast he does is rowdy. Some phenomenal stuff. Dave, kind of light on the college football slate. I know one man last year who had the biggest cojones in the nation. Rowdy, he took the over. Rowdy, you took the over of what again? Yeah, I think last year was 32 and a half. This year we're going over 28 and a half. We're sticking with the over. Dave? Wow. Rowdy yeah. cashed in overtime. What say yeah, you? I'm, I'm, I'm a little For Army Navy. I'm a little surprised that a sharp guy like Nelly would be taking 28 and a half when he, he could be taking 27 and Uh-oh, a half. Oh, Rowdy's shaking his head. No, 27 no. and a half. You just said 28 and a half. Last year. Th- oh, it was last 32 year. and a half last year. It's 27 and a half this year. Rowdy's on. Maybe I missed Boke, but I got the slips. <laughs> I got the receipts. Um. Well, I, good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the Patriots game last night was a total of 30 and it went over in the first half. So, you know, maybe you'll catch a break. I just hope I, I just hope red zone defense has become non-existent. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, I'm hoping for a 14-14 game. That's all you need, right, Rods? Yeah. That's all we need. That's all you need. 14-14. That's all. Yeah, that means that means touchdowns and not field goals. That I don't know about all that. So are you, are you leery of this? It's like three Iowa games worth of scoring. <laughs> I'll be I'll be I'll be rooting for you. Hey, Dave. Um, and probably because I'll watch it too, and I don't want to see a nine to six game. Well, Dave, Dave, let me ask you this before we get to the NFL because just there's just one game, right? Did since you're in Florida, did Florida State get screwed? Um, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they're really mostly pissed about losing out on the money. Sure. Uh, because I think they have to know they're not going to beat Michigan. I mean, if, if I'm Florida State, I'd probably rather go beat, you know, a Georgia team at 75% or at least play them rather than go play Michigan and get my rear end handed to me. Um, you know, I guess, did they, you know, so in one hand, yeah, they did, but, you know, it, it's all about the money and the ratings and nobody wants to watch. I know a Florida State team that might not even score on Michigan with a third string quarterback play 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 they don't want to watch that game. You know, they would rather watch Michigan and Alabama. Say what you will about the SEC and the SPN, yada yada yada. But okay, it might be true, but you know, uh, uh, Florida State doesn't they, they 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 belong there on the body of work, they don't belong there as they are right now. It's kinda of like Alabama. Um, they belong there as they are right now, but on the body of work, no, they don't. Everything that was just said by uh, Mr. Dave Essler, we have to put an asterisk next to. He is also an Alabama fan. Oh, oh. David. Oh. Um, but but I'm, I'm, my second school is Florida State. <laughs> you know. Um, oh, I, I grew up with the Fab Four and uh, Charlie Ward and those guys. So, yeah, I, yeah. I like Florida State. I, I like my Norvell. I just, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, Ohio State could have made a case. I mean, they're better than Florida State right now. Dave, I, Ohio, Ohio State will lose to Missouri. I can assure you of that. So he's taking Missouri in bowl season. Uh, Dave, speaking of you know some playoffs, the NBA in-season tournament, it, it concludes on Saturday. Was there any differences that you kind of went through in your processes with handicapping the in-season tournament versus just Great regular question. season NBA games? Was there more intensity? Um, that's a good question, and the answer is yes, because the, the the winning team gets a half a million bucks a player, and guys like LeBron and Zion and and Giannis and and whoever the Pacers have, they don't need that money. But the the fifth through eighth guys, the bench does, and I think we saw that there was a lot of a lot of the teams that won had real effort from the bench guys. Yeah. And, you know, for a half a million bucks, I would play hard for 
30 minutes, too. <laughs> hey, hey, Dave, let's move to the NFL then. Hopefully we can make a half a million bucks uh, with your uh, with your info, your prowess here. What do you got uh, out of the NFL this weekend? Well, I think my favorite pick is the, um, the Philadelphia Eagles over uh, Dallas getting three and a half. And one of the reasons for that is, you know, recency bias. People remember how how San Francisco spanked Philadelphia, but that was almost a foregone conclusion, I think, leading up to that game. And if you remember, the 49ers played Dallas, and Dallas didn't fare any better either. And teams that have played the 49ers are, are like eight of the last nine the following game, they have either won or covered. I mean, they, you know, they just get undervalued. I mean, the Eagles have the best record in the NFC, and they're getting three and a half points. I, I don't know how you don't do that. And, you know, Dallas, they, yeah, they've had a nice run, but they beat, uh, what, I think Washington, Carolina, and, and someone else that's not very good. Uh, and then they played Seattle and, and, and almost lost on Thanksgiving. I, I like Dallas, but I, I just think that the discrepancy between the two teams is not three and a half points. So I will take the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'll take the uh, Houston and the Jets under. Mm-hmm. I know that's uh, 33 now. In, in fairness, I bet it at 35. But, you know, Houston's offense without Tank Dell, and they're getting, you know, they look a little ragged. Lately, and I wonder if some of that's not, you know, the rookie wall for C.J. Stroud. You know, they're playing 12 or 13 games in college, and they're 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 well beyond that right now. And if you include OTAs and and, and uh, preseason, so okay. um, I don't think that's going to be a very high scoring game. I mean, if if the Jets get 10, I'll be lucky. If Houston gets 21, I'll be surprised. Dave, do you handicap teams like the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins a little differently when they play good physical teams versus? you know, like your crappy defenses that they'll be able to walk all over? Because I feel like the two teams that really stick out to me this year are Dolphins and Cowboys. They absolutely get margin against those average to below average teams, but it feels like always come up short against good physical teams. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you can make a blanket statement, but yes, I mean, there's definitely that. But, you know, I think for me, that's more of an earlier season thing. Now I think it's so much more about, you know, the playoffs. Um, you know, I was going to do a Jim Mora thing there, but playoffs. my voice is a little my voice is a little hoarse. This playoffs. I think, exactly. Well, good um, thing he coached the Colts. You know, um, well, um, that was a bad know, joke. I, 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 I chuckled. Um, yeah, I, I think there's something to that, but I'm not so sure. Like in the case of Miami, I would be more concerned if they were playing a secondary that that hits people. You know, I go I go back to before you were born when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl for their first one. It wasn't before you were born, but it was close. And the Rams had the greatest show on turf and the Patriots their whole game plan was to just beat the living tar out of the wide receivers for the whole game. And if we take a penalty or two, so what? You know, they're going to feel it, and by the fourth quarter, they're, they're going to be a little leery to go over the middle. And obviously, it worked. Yeah. Uh, but I think those are the the secondaries, I think, are more important and against a team like Miami, obviously, because they can throw the ball. And well on Miami, I did take Tyreek Hill at 16-1 to to win the NFL MVP. Oh. Um, he's, he's going to get 2,000 yards. I think the quarterbacks are all toss-ups. So, it, I think at 16-1, to it's it, that's a pretty good price for a guy that's, that's going to get 2,000 yards. Love it. Uh, Dave, dealer's choice here. One more before I let you go here as break's upcoming. Uh, it could be NFL, it could be NBA, NCAA basketball, whatever. Dealer's choice. Anything else you uh, want to throw out there in the ether for us? Well, I know that people people that wager definitely want um, sort of uh, immediate results. Mm-hmm. So let's go to let's go to Army and Harvard in college basketball. Oh, uh, that, game, that game will go over the total. Did not uh, have that I on my bingo it, card. Yeah, yeah, I bet it at one thirty-two and a half last night. It's one thirty-three and a half now, but I don't think it's going to matter much. I think Army will give them a better game than people think. Awesome. So uh, yeah, that's 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 today's. Um, gratification play. today's gratification play i love that and dave a uh, new winners take out with you and rowdy i think you guys got um a little uh betting on bowl games too a little uh inside info a little little 
Yeah, we broke down some bowl games. We looked at Army-Navy, and then we hit up the NFL. Awesome. So go get winner's take. It's out there now. Dave, you are a treasure. You are a treat. You're my little pot of gold. What you got going on? Do you golfing again today? <laughs> no, sir. Um, I have to go to a wedding this afternoon. Oh, hopefully you brought a good gift. Um, but at least it's warm and sunny, so... It's warm and sunny here, Dave. I don't, what do you mean? I, I, don't to, I don't have to scrape the windshield to let the car warm up. Oh, that's a, we're not doing that here in Wisconsin. Steve from Edgerton just messaged in and said, tell Dave that it's December 8th in Wisconsin, and I'm going golfing today at TCC. Hiya, Hiya 54 oh, today, Dave. Take that, baby. Um, you know, I'm actually happy for Steve and happy for you guys that get to go out and do that. Uh, I just hope you play well. Um, I, I have a little trouble getting loosened up when it's in the 50s, but, uh, you know, I know Steve won't have any trouble at all. Cherry so, uh, bombs. Cherry yeah. bombs will get you loose and warm, Dave. I'll let you guys take that where you want to. A little cherry bomb to keep you loose and warm here in Wisconsin, okay? I think it'd probably be more than one, but that's just from, 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 one, ch- that's just from one chance encounter. Dave, we love you. Have a great weekend. And don't cry too much at that wedding when the, when the vows are read, okay? Uh, there's no danger of that whatsoever. <laughs> See you, Dave. Have a great weekend, my brother. Uh, you guys too. Bye. Packers don't play, obviously, until Monday night. We'll hear from Matt LaFleur momentarily. Here's what I can't get over. Two games on at the same time for Monday Night Football. Why? The, the NFL is usually really smart with their decisions, Rowdy. Why two games, both at 7-15? Have you made any sense of it? No, normally if they're going to go with two games on a Monday night, they stagger them. It'll be like, here's a kick at 6 o'clock and here's your kick at 7-30. Not, hey, both these games are going to kick off at 7-15. Yeah. Um, for Monday night, now, Christian Watson did not practice. He hasn't been practicing. Packers back at it on the practice field, obviously. Uh, he's nursing that hamstring injury. Uh, Watson did allude and say, though, that the injury is not as severe as the one he had earlier that kept him out of a couple games. Uh, but, Rowdy, if you look at the box score um, for the Packers and Chiefs, nine players caught passes against the Kansas City Chiefs. So the sharing the ball, sharing the wealth. Matt LaFleur talks on that. When you're putting in these plays, you have an idea of where they could go based on the coverages. But, you know, you got to hit on some of those coverages. And then um, everything needs to be perfect from a protection standpoint to the quarterback's rhythm and timing and his decision making. And it just happened to work out that way. So, but yeah, it was, it was all in all, it was really good execution. This the offense has really been uh, in a little groove lately, Rowdy. And it was against lesser defenses, right? Especially pass defenses. But the Chiefs, they're no schleps. Yeah, like we kind of saw it consecutively, right? So the first game in which Jordan Love was really, really coming out. Because, I mean, he had some games against the the Rams where he was decent or the the Steelers where he was decent. And both of those defenses overall were relatively average. But he looked decent. Yeah. But the last three games where he's really, you know, broken onto the scene, the first game was the Chargers. Well, they at the time were the worst team against the pass in the NFL. Now they're uh, second to worst. (laughs) Then it was the Detroit Lions who at the time were middle of the road against the pass. But if you look at them now, they're like 20th. So they were trending down. Yeah. But then you have the Chiefs. This was a top five team against the pass. This was supposed to be the true test, right? Yep. You had Chris Jones and a front for Kansas City that was able to get pressure on the quarterback without really having to blitz a ton. It was a pretty solid secondary that was, a, again, a top five team against the pass at the time. And you went out there, and and you looked good. He th- he threw the ball well. Yes, he did. He had a few Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers esque passes and moments, like the throw to Dobbs when it was third and long, and the the entire play just broke down. Mm-hmm. And then he made all the the routine plays. We're not seeing as many Jordan Love throws as we did in the first five weeks or so, where it's like a Luke Musgrave on a crosser wide open, mm-hmm. and then he misses him by like five feet. Yeah, Like, we haven't seen many of those throws, or I don't think any of those throws, since about week six. Yeah, and here's the thing. All of Jordan Love's touchdown passes against the Chiefs came in when they were blitzing him. 
Are they able to pick it up well? Well, guess what? The New York Giants, they're also a blitz-happy team, led by longtime D.C. Wink Martindale. You know who loves talking about Wink Martindale? Mike Clements. Loves it. Matt LaFleur does, too. Here's Matt LaFleur on a... The blitz coming from the Giants. I think their defense, yeah, they present a lot of problems. You never feel easy going against a team that he's coaching and because he knows he can deploy a number of different blitzes and a number of different looks. And I'm certain that coming off a bye week as well, I'm sure there's going to be something that they haven't put on tape. That's typically the case. And our guys are going to really have to trust their rules and, you know, in terms of preparing for that. The line for the Packers has been playing pretty well as of late, Nelly. They've been they've been nice. Yeah, and you know what's crazy about that is if you look at left to right tackle, it's a lot of guys where they used mid to late round draft picks on, mm-hmm. which is even even more you know impressive. The fact that they didn't necessarily have to use top one hundred pick draft capital to secure the, some of these great linemen is pretty impressive. It is. Because um, what? Just in off the top of my head, you have a top 100 pick in, in Meyer at center. You have a top 100 pick in Elton Jenkins. But then when you look at your your tackle, you have Rasheed Walker. Dude was a seventh round pick. Yeah. Uh, you have John Runyon Jr. who had been playing a decent amount. He was a sixth round pick. Goody ballin'. I, I mean... Yash Nyman, I, I don't even think he was drafted. Goody's been I, able to. You'd have to. I'd have to yeah, go, go back and double check. But I mean, these are some of the guys that are playing on your offensive line and playing well, or at least to a serviceable, serviceable level. <laughs> and you didn't have to go out and spend a ton, ton of capital on it. But then here's my other thing. If we're not spending on the offensive line, and clearly they've they've been buying a lot on defense, and the defense is a work in progress with some young players, where the hell were all the offensive top 100 players? Right. Yeah, Yash Nyman was undrafted in yeah. 2019. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I go back to, like, oh, the guys we spent a lot of those draft picks on high over the years, or I guess I should say, like, the last handful of years that would still be on this team would be, like, Jay Sternberger, Josiah DeGuara, A.J. Dillon. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, LaFleur talks more of how they're ready. No to, receiver. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. LaFleur talks more on how they're ready to handle that pressure. We've encountered a ton of different challenges from different schemes that have kind of prepared us for some of the things that could potentially come up. Um, that's just kind of the way the years worked out. And I know we put a lot of time and emphasis in the offseason in terms of preparing for some of these pressure situations. And it served us well up to this point. Now we got to go do it again. Rowdy, um, back to the wide receivers. So the floor is asked about this one in particular. How do you feel about Malik Heath? Uh, had pretty nice move there on his one catch where he completely broke, broke those the ankles. defender's ankles. <laughs> um, uh, second Mike Clemens shout out here. Um, at the beginning of training camp in like July, <laughs> there was a Mike Clemens report out there about how he believed that from watching some of the early camp that Malik Heath could be a guy that makes some noise and sneaks onto the roster. And it made a little noise. It was really that Turns ankle out, breaker. He, yeah, he did sneak onto the roster as like the last receiver kept. Here's the floor on him. Yeah, he's been great. He constitutes a war daddy. Uh, he, he brings great energy and a physical presence to that position that I think is, you know, can kind of shape your offense in a different light. So, but as far as in the building, off the field, he's been awesome. I got no complaints. He comes in every day with a smile on his face and just gets to work. And I think you've seen a lot of growth in him. Can you please play that again? Sure. Yeah, he's been great. He constitutes a war daddy. Uh, he, he brings great energy. I just, I just can't. What? Matt LaFleur saying war daddy. war daddy. Yeah. War daddy. I'm sorry, but hey, one more time. Yeah, he's been great. He constitutes a war daddy. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Oh, so in football, like your war daddy <laughs> is like one of your tough guys. One of the guys that will always ride for you. He's there daddy. for you. He's a war daddy. He's a bad guy <laughs> on your team. Just hearing Matt LaFleur say the term makes me laugh out loud. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Well, our war daddy's Malik Heath and he plays wide receiver for the Packers. My war daddy. <laughs> And then on the flip side, so Jordan Love, obviously, on the uptick big time. Uh, the Giants going through it a little bit on the quarterback position. They now got the Gabagool man, 
Tommy DeVito. Rowdy, your take on Tommy DeVito? Well, he's not very good. <laughs> Here's, I mean, he's a third-string quarterback. Yeah. Here's the floor on Tommy DeVito. If you give him time, he can make you pay. There's no question. They've got some dangerous receivers with Hyatt and Slayton and, and guys that can really run and take the top off. Obviously, obviously, we all know about Saquon and his ability. I mean, he's an elite back, one of the best in the business. And But, yeah, I think Tommy's done a really nice job going in there and distributing the ball and making off-schedule plays and making some tight window throws. I don't think Tommy DeVito's very good. I think Brian Dayball is good. Yeah. Like, look at what they've done. They've won four games, and Tommy DeVito has been starting way more games than what they've liked. <laughs> that that was your practice squad quarterback. Do you think the Giants are more happy with him than Danny Dimes? Well, actually, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and this was an interesting take. So, speaking of the New York teams, right? Mm-hmm. The Jets and the Giants. So... The Jets, they have Zach Wilson, they had Tim Boyle, obviously Aaron Rodgers, but the two that have been playing recently, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle has been a, you know, I guess you would call him a journeyman backup quarterback. Also cut. And Zach Wilson was a first-round pick. Yeah. The Giants are playing with a third-string practice squad, Tommy DeVito. And people in New York are, like, globbing on to the Tommy DeVito because he's a New York East Coast guy, right? Played at Syracuse, transferred to Illinois for a season. Now he's here. Yep. But they like they're they're finding small things where they're like rooting for this guy and people aren't like soured on this New York Giants season even though they're 4 and 8 because they know that they've had injuries. The quarterback position was a huge letdown. They knew that the roster, you know, played way over their heads last season and that they weren't going to be that good this year. So they're like having fun with it. But then there's the jets who in theory should have more talent at the quarterback position straight up, especially even now with what they're working with yet. They're the team where people are like, this team sucks. This is over. Um, the receivers on the team and Garrett Wilson are like, Zach Wilson sucks. Tim Boyle sucks. Like they're having people get into arguments and fights about how bad they are. The coach is saying how bad the um, quarterback is without really saying it. But I mean, he's basically saying it. The the fact that now they're asking Zach Wilson to be the quarterback again after throwing him in the trash. And he's like, eh, I don't know if I really want to play quarterback. Hey, that report like, was egregious. Ask Rogers. Look at. Look at the difference in the two teams. It's like one knew that they were playing over their skis and now they're like, they get it, but they're, they're happy to see a Tommy DeVito play in there. They're doing their best. Right. And the others are just like, man, screw this jets team. They were supposed to be so good. F them. Dude, Tommy DeVito was just on a, um, it's yeah, a, a big doing, food. Yeah, He's on a big like podcast that food, that Italian is this Italian food influencer on they're doing uh, hit pieces with Tommy DeVito, even though he stinks, he's on this, like, I forget the guy's names. He's like a big, Itali- he's a weird bird looking guy. That's a huge Italian that like ranks all Italian food. And Tommy DeVito was just on his big podcast, ranking Italian foods. And they love it. If I told you, Danny Dimes never been on anything like if that. If I told you at the beginning of the year, because I think a lot of people thought that the the Giants were overrated last year mm-hmm. and that, you know, t- Danny Dimes had his career year and now he's going to cash in and the Giants fell for it, which they did. Uh, but if I told you that, that the Giants would suck, they would absolutely suck this year. And if I told you that the Jets would have Aaron Rodgers go down on one of the first few plays of the game and, you know, they would be a middling team that's four and eight, five and seven, but we'll say that they were somewhat close to going 500 football. Would you believe me that Robert Sala feels like he's more on the hot seat than Brian Dable? <laughs> Cause I think he is. Oh yeah. Could, could you see Robert Sala being canned at the end of this year? Me. Tim Boyle just got cut. That's th- one of the Rogers guys. He's got the get out of jail free card. Cause Rogers snapped as a kill. He does. He does. But also, Look at how bad he's handled the entire situation. Look, he, I always thought Robert Sala was like a really good DC, which yeah. I, I mean, that 2019 San Francisco 49ers defense was absolutely nasty. And that team probably should have won the Super Bowl if it weren't for a couple of plays, uh, one of which was by Sammy Watkins, fellow Packer, yeah, as, as a chief in that Super Bowl. 
but I digress. I always thought he was like a really good DC. I still stand by that. But, dude, does he not feel like these last couple of years he is coming unglued as a head coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, like, his PR is not good. <laughs> like, the way he has handled Zach Wilson has been horrible. Like, there's no reason Zach Wilson should have gone. The way you catered to Rodgers to bring all his guys in, too. You know? I could honestly see. Now, I, we're going to have to look at Rodgers' contract. I think he might have an out after this season. It was a three. Wasn't a three-year deal. No, no, no. But I think he has a, a clause in his contract. I'm gonna have to look it up. But I think he might have an out after this year, where you could say, "See you, boys. I'm out." Well, on Twitch, Badgers Trio says, "Question is, how long until Rogers says he is out until 2024?" You know, that's no. I'm gonna look it up over break. I'll look it up. But I think he might have an out in his contract where he can become a free agent. I'll have to look it up. But could you see them trying to like placate to Rogers and be like, "Sorry, this is a disaster. We're we are." cleaning house and getting rid of Joe Douglas to GM and Robert Sala. I think that's actually kind of realistic. Our guy Daner says Douglas is gone, but Robert Sala is staying. Someone's, someone's got to fall on the sword. I could see both of them getting <laughs> axed. What were you talking Robert Sala DC for the Packers next year? Uh, I would take it. What? <laughs> I mean, what? Wouldn't hurt my feelings any if they blew it up and Rodgers had to go back to a new, uh, you know, new head coach, new GM, and the the Packers had Robert Sala fall on their lap. If that if he became a a free agent, uh, sorry, Joe Barry, you might be coming off your <laughs> you might be coming off your best year as a DC in your life. But I'm sorry, Robert Sala is available. We just got a better candidate so, out there. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta we just gotta cut you loose. It's not. Me, it's you. No, actually, it's you, not me. Rowdy, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers on that contract. As we were, you know, first talking Packers, and then you know, devolving into how terrible the Jets are compared to the Giants. And then it was Robert Sala, potential DC, and you made a comment about Rodgers and his contract. And you said, "All right, I'm going I'm to meet the research department over break and hammer out the deeds." Uh, you said Rodgers could have an out coming up here. Yeah, for some reason, I thought he he might have had an out, but I'm, I was wrong. No, I think the. Uh, the new contract that he officially made with New York. No, he's he's stuck there for two more seasons. Or would you say the Jets are stuck with him? I would say he's it, laughing all the way to the bank. With yeah, he, I mean, he's getting paid. He's going to make fifty six million dollars after his contract Ooh. is up from the Jets. That Ooh. is all cap hits payable to him. That's good money if you can get it right yeah, there. Yeah, 43 through 45 years old, he's going to make $56 million, and he probably won't be playing. All right, Razors. Since only one quarterback has ever played into those years, his name's Tom Brady. Yeah. Everyone else, sample size of many, haven't. We're going to do this for news of the weird, but I wanted to have a broader topic because it also involves gambling, which is near and dear to our hearts as well. Going to the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to be specific, Amit Patel, I think I'm saying this guy's name right. He was a former employee of the Jags. This is insane. This employee for the Jacksonville Jaguars has been accused of pilfering over $22 million from the team's coffers in a scheme that allegedly lasted from 2019 until earlier this year. This guy got away with it up until this year in February when he was fired, let go. The team terminated the employee. <clears throat> he was uh, now charged with wire fraud, an illegal monetary transaction in court documents filed earlier, uh, from anywhere from uh, buying luxury watches to private jet travel to new cars. Do you see this? I'm sure you, I'm sure you saw I, I this. I saw story. something briefly on this, but my biggest question would be if this, I guess, scheme originally started in 2019, I mean, we're sitting here in 2023. That's only a four-year span. The fact that you looted $22 million, Wow. You don't... How is that not noticeable? That just shows you how deep some of these pockets run. Like... Wow. Like, I understand if a guy was, like, skimming a few hundred bucks here off the top or maybe a few thousand Excuse here me. off the top where maybe it wasn't as noticeable in a huge multi-billion dollar company. I, like, I could see that, right? Yeah. But $22 million? $22 million gets you, like, one of the best receivers in the league. So this guy, uh, Patel, worked in the finance department of the team. He was uh, the former manager of financial planning and analysis. So he had he's accused 
of having used his oversight of the franchise's virtual credit card program, which intended to be used for employees to fund legitimate business expenses. He did this to commit fraud. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you also say, now I'm sure with the title that this guy held, he's being paid pretty handsomely. So he's probably making quite a bit of money. He's making a decent chunk of change. But wouldn't you just think that out of the blue, if he's got all these expensive watches and jewelry and cars Cars out of nowhere, that you'd be like, dude, where'd you you get this? I know that you make good money, but But how'd you get this Lambo? Yeah, where'd you get owner money? Where'd you get this Bugatti from (laughs) and and these multiple Rolex watches? So uh, check this out. According to the court filing, Patel manually tinkered with the VCC, the, vir- the, books. the virtual credit card. Uh, so he, these transactions, catering, airfare, and hotel charges for the team, he would then duplicate those transactions and inflated the amounts of legitimate reoccurring transactions. So then he would reap the benefits from it somehow in these transactions that he would duplicate. Uh, accused of, quote, used the proceeds of this scheme in whole part to place bets also with online gambling websites, he purchased a condo in um, in on some beach in Florida, paid for personal travel for himself and friends, including chartering private jets, booking luxury hotels and private rental residences, uh, acquired a new Tesla Model 3 sedan and a Nissan pickup truck. All right, so he wasn't that flashy with his cars. Uh, uh, to a lodge, a retainer with a criminal defense firm, he purchased a ton of cryptocurrency. Oh, God, he did NFTs. Oh, he did the NFT art. Oh, no. Uh, Electronics, sports memorabilia, and country club memberships, spa treatments, concerts, sporting event tickets, home furnishing, and here you go, luxury wristwatch. Watch is, excuse me. My biggest thing is if you're going to do, if you're someone out there that's like thinking of doing this, like everyone gets caught, right? Yes. At some point, like how long do you think that you can keep this up? Well, for this guy, almost five years. (laughs) You know what I mean? As he's gainfully employed by the people he's stealing from. Like, again, with this title, he's making pretty, he's got to be making pretty good coin. Yes. There's not a lot of people that can probably do these type of financial risk type stuff. Here's the, that's why you get paid well. Here's the twist. Here's his defense. You ready for his defense? He had a severe gambling addiction. He's actually says he's in, his lawyer says he's in treatment, receiving treatment for his gambling addiction since spring. Uh, In a statement released by his attorney, he used all these, the, the virtual credit card, funds to gamble on fantasy, daily fantasy sports, FanDuel, DraftKings, and that approximately 99% of the misappropriated funds were related to the, his gambling losses. Wow. You, he, this dude was, wow. My, my biggest question. This is his like, defense. I had an addiction, a gambling addiction. So that's going to be your defense. I guess my retort would be. So why did you have the wristwatch? Why why did you buy condos? Why um, were you chartering yeah, private jets to parties? Yeah, and, why were you going to concerts? Uh, I almost feel like this was 99% everything else, 1% gambling. Well, this is his defense. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I'm saying in reality. His lawyer said, quote, Mr. Patel did not use the Jaguar's uh, virtual credit card to fund his lifestyle, but in a horribly misguided effort to pay back Previous gambling losses that utilize the Jaguars virtual credit card program. He has now been in treatment since spring over it. Well, that's what happens with all these you know, people who got a lot of money. They're like, yeah, I know I've been caught, but I got addiction to, you know, insert addiction here. Drugs, booze, escorts. This one, gambling. I, my biggest thing would just be. How long did you think you could keep it going? Because obviously people, when they do this, must think they well, can keep it going for forever. Well, yeah, he's a risk taker, Rowdy. He's a gambler. He was, he was rolling the dice. And I, and, I get, and I guess that if you feel that you can keep it going for a while and that it's going to be a slap on the wrist, like what, white collar, white collar prison? A little white collar crime. Where it's, yeah, where you're in a country club for like 10 years. Yeah. Are the penalties stiff enough? Well, he's going to find out something stiff or not, depending on where he goes to prison. But yeah, Mr. Patel is, here's the last statement. This is funny. Mr. Patel is deeply remorseful and apologizes for his conduct. He loved working for the Jacksonville Jaguars. No kidding, he got $22 million. And regrets his actions, which have resulted in him both losing his dream job and damaging the organization. Mr. Patel remains in treatment and intends to seek ongoing treatment for the foreseeable future. There's your, there's his How defense. How much do you running. think this guy made just in general? I don't I mean. Uh, it's six figures for sure. No doubt.
It's got to be, I, I'd imagine, like middle six figures. And you worked for an NFL franchise. And you got which probably a lot of people that are listening to this show that are sports fans would probably dream of, of working for an NFL franchise making six figures. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and he wanted to make seven figures, though, Rowdy. $22 million. Clearly he did. <laughs> $22 million in, in misappropriated funds. Wow. Line one, good morning. Who's this? Vagabond. Problems, huh? Yeah, call 1-800-ALL-BETS-OFF. Vagabond, John. Man, um, here's my gamble. Give me $22 million. I'll, t- I'll show you how fast I can lose it. Come on. Well, it, you know, it's all units. Right. Units. Same way you don't want to unit shame someone that's, uh, you know, not working at, for an NFL team. You know, you don't units want are unit so shame. much cooler, Vagabond, because you could be a, a $20 unit guy and be like, yeah, I, I lost five units. And then you could be like a $1,000 unit guy and be like, yeah, I lost five units. A little different. Yeah. You just don't specify. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a unit <laughs> thing. We're all playing. We're all playing the same game. We just have our own unit. Yeah. It's not um, the size of the unit. It's how much you put down with it, you know? Exactly. Speaking of units, uh, Grant on the on the show today. I'm excited. He didn't take calls per usual on his Thursday show. Well, that's normal. But he was lighting into Joe Barry yesterday, and I just the poll yesterday. I had to call back today. The fact that what no, the Twitter the Twitter poll that we ran well, that we did yesterday is: Do you still want Joe Barry fired? And it was a resounding yes. <laughs> I just like, you know, there's a lot of things that make you question democracy, right? When you look at the people we have at the top of this country, but then you look at the people themselves and you look at the, you know, these people are going to be able to vote in the next election. And that's what makes me worried. Uh, so I, how is Packer Nation 70% still fire the defensive coordinator that has a top 10 defense? And then, you know, they're using, so then the goalposts moves, right? So then not only... It's not about do you have a top 10 defense. It's do you dominate the bad teams. And I just – I don't know if Packer fans watch NFL football outside of Packer games. Because they'll – I think the one tweet that was going around by uh, some dude named Ted, um, <laughs> oh, well, the defensive is not good because they gave up rushing yards to the Steelers. I'm like, did you watch? Yeah, Ted. Did you watch Ted? Did you watch the Viking game? Did you watch – the four games he didn't give up yards on the ground. It's just it's just confirmation bias. It's cherry picking and for a defensive coordinator, and this is what all fan bases do, particularly the defensive coordinators, they just see a team get a first down and say, What that failed. My defense failed because the other team got a first down. Let's fire him. Let's get out rid of him. If the other team scores a point, get him out of town. Top ten defense with a practice squad secondary, not good enough for Gus. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it applies for every. I'm sure it applies for every organization, but just because you know we hyper focus here on the Packers, because you know that's that's our team. Being a DC has got to be the most thankless, worthless, not worthless, thankless job out there. You know, because no matter what, well, people want you fired. That's what I centered my original take around. I started uh, defending defensive coordinators before Joe Barry was around, right? And this, I think, Joe Barry is kind of okay. an extreme example. Where were you at on Dom case? Capers? Don Capers was fine, right? The thing is, is do you have the right talent? Do you have the right players? And to be honest, they're spending a lot of first-round picks on guys, but let's not pretend like we've had a T.J. Watt on this team at any point in the last decade. Let's not pretend we've had a Miles Garrett. Let's not pretend that just because they're a first-round draft pick, they're automatically a, you know, top five of their position in the league. Darnell, uh, not Darnell, uh, Jair was there for a bit. Right, but I don't think Rashawn Gary's reached top five pass rusher in the league status yet, particularly because of the injury. But rambling a little bit, but I, I saw the, the results on that poll, and exactly. I'm like, man. This so, is just question for tough. you: If Robert Sala gets sacked at the end of the season, and they decide to really, you know, switch things up in New York, would you hire him over Joe Barry? Sure, if we're moving on from Joe Barry, but that's not guaranteeing success, right? If I looked at Robert Sala as a defensive coordinator, I could probably find three or five years where he's really good. I bet you I can find a couple years where he's in the bottom half of the league. Every defensive coordinator has slip-ups, whether it's a couple games or a couple years. Uh, the thing with Joe Barry is everybody can't let go of uh, his time with Detroit. That was more than a decade ago. 
And I just want to ask the average fan, People like, are you judged today in your job by your performance and your experience of a decade ago? I hope not. Right? When Eric was driving trucks 10 years ago, I bet you he's a little bit better now. Maybe not. I don't know. Eric on I-90? This is my, this, this is my, yeah, of course. Of course. What other, what other Eric is there? Come on, Evo. I'm on one this morning. You are on one. I love it. Vagabond. Um, I was just, man. Defend the good honor of Joe, Joe Barry. Hype train. Yeah. Defend his honor. Captain the Joe Barry hype train. Top 10 defense. Keeping the team in games. Keeping the season alive. If we had a, even a remotely competent offense on the other side, we'd be 8-4. and four and uh, in a strong position to win the NFC North. Okay. Hey, G Dub has, yeah. has a question for you. He goes, Vagabond. But how can you defend someone with the track record of Joe Barry? Are you just ignoring his resume? No, I would say recent results matter more than a decade ago, right? So everybody will point to the 0-16 team at the Lions that had no talent at all, but they don't want to say the year before he was hired, he was the assistant head coach for the number one defense in the league. So if I'm evaluating and hiring, I care more about what you did last year than I did than I do what you did 10 years ago. But fans don't want to use that. They will just find the example that fits the narrative they want to have, and they want to be mad and yell about a defensive coordinator. So they're not going to consider that. They're not going to change their mind. People have their minds made up about Joe Barry before you. All right, so you're you're in you're in sales, right? You're in sales, yes. Yes. Let's say you're in a hiring a managerial position, and someone comes to you because you got a job opening, and they put their resume down, and the last you know, two stops they've been at, they've had a you know, decent track record, and the year previous, pretty good. But you look at the resume, and they're in, involved with terrible sales, and they bankrupted two companies before they came to you. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? Are you going to hire them? I mean, we did that for president, didn't we? <laughs> I think we've done that for president twice in a row now, but potentially. <laughs> uh, so getting back to the American people, well, that was a vote. Made it pretty Maybe. clear that Allegedly. we don't care. Yeah, it's well, everything now is what have you done for me lately? Except if you're a DC, then everything's on the table. I think <laughs> being a DC I, is tough. Say, what I will say is, if I'm hiring for a startup versus a Fortune 500, if I'm hiring for a startup, give me the guy that's got 20 years experience that'll bring some stability. Sure. Don't give me the guy that got famous for stopping Spencer Petras at Iowa. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, now he Jim does. Leonard's taking strays. Uh oh. Oh yeah, I've been on the anti-Jim Leonard train for a long time. Ever since 2016, Penn State. Okay, so you're you're a protector of defensive here. coordinators, but Jim Leonard. I, I value experience in coaching, and I value um, <laughs> guys who have proven they can make it work. Where the hell is Wade Phillips? No proof. Wade Phillips. Give me Wade Phillips. Uh, yeah, right. I love, I love right, how – Yeah, Vega, you have a good weekend, man. And hey, what have you been cooking lately? What's, what? that, what's that cut of meat you were cooking up? Was that last time you had that steak? Was that a ribeye? Man, that was a T-bone. Oh, T-bone. Loaded baked potatoes. T-bone. A little broccoli on the side. Before that, you're doing a little scallops, hey. a little pan-seared scallops? You're making me hungry, bro. We're not We're not ordering takeout in December. Sounds like your sales doing pretty well. If, if, well, no, it's cheaper than DoorDash to order, you know. Oh, yeah. We were spending too much money on takeout. DoorDash No takeout. And if we're going to do no takeout, let's buy food at the grocery store that we're actually going to be excited have you ever been, Have you ever been satisfied what? when you do a DoorDash or an Uber Eats or an Eats? Have you ever been satisfied? It's always like, ah, I should have just oh, went and picked 100%. it up. Should have went and picked it up. Are you kidding me? When you're five milligrams deep and that, and that DoorDash hits your door and there's sesame chickens ready to go, I'm absolutely satisfied. Holy but f- it's expensive. Hey, know. real quick shout out, Driftless Social, first night with food tonight. Oh. So. Um, really? Make your way down if you. Uh, it's finally happening. It's finally happening. Oh. The kitchen is opening up, boys. Chef so. Jeff bopping around. Chef Jeff, starting. Oh. This is oh. this is uh, Jeffrey this is Jeffrey. We love Jeffrey Jeffrey. You tell him I said hello, okay? We'll do. All right, boys. See you, Vagabond. Oh, Chef Jeff, my man, off the wild turkey. Miss you, Chef Jeff, and your big old Great Danes. All right. Uh, Rowdy, one more thing I wanted to, before the Vagabond call, I did see this, um, back to the, the gambling stuff, you know, that, that and former employee of the Jags who now is looking at uh, the clink with misappropriating $22 million, and they say it was 99% of it, his lawyer says, on his gambling problem. I don't really believe that. Did you see that? This has been making its rounds. A financial analyst on CNBC implied 
something about legalized sports betting. Listen to this. It's uh, it's pretty wild what this person was talking about with legalized sports betting and the youth of America. Here you go. Uh, take a listen. And its performance this year, DraftKings has doubled that performance. And um, you understand why you have this massive secular wave behind it. So the negative impacts is that it's all young men. And I parallel that with or dovetail that with Pew Research, which says that 63 percent of young men are single. And that's the highest it's ever been. And 50 percent of those young men have no interest in dating, not even casually. And 30% of those men, or 30% of young men, say they have not had sex in over a year and don't seem to care. So the point being... they're getting pleasure out of sports betting instead. Sports bet, well, sports betting now, through technology, is as easy as buying something, ordering a pizza online, or shopping online. And what you see is uh, young men who've grown up with gaming, are used to doing everything on their phone, and now they can do all sorts of betting on their phone. You can do, uh, you know, real-time parlays on on their phone during a game, and it's been explosive. So if you look at um, the growth in, and so so DraftKings says that that you know they doubled revenue every year, expected to double revenue over the next three years, but that's just on the existing states. So the most populous states don't have legalized online sports betting or sports betting, and that's California and Texas. So if those come online, you've got double, triple the type of revenue um, uh, adjusted EBITDA. So, but what this means for housing then is um, you have the lowest household formation growth rate in over 60 years. It could be longer, but that's as long as the data has been com- uh, comprised. And so you have young men who don't want to date and young women who are spending their time really with with Instagram moments, going to the Taylor Swift concert. I don't know if you've been to them. It's all filmed about yourself at the Taylor Swift uh, concert. So So they're not getting married and building homes. (laughs) They're blaming, uh, to blame for young men not getting married, dating, or even having sex on legalized sports betting. What a take for the ages. Wow. Well, first off, I would say... Would you rather give your credit card so someone else can go buy shoes and clothes, or would you rather put a few bets down on a Packer Sunday where you can wash for three hours and have fun and cash out and buy more shoes and clothes? Right? One sounds more fun than the other, but I will also say this: I think um, going back to Vagabond Johns, I like how Taylor Swift kind of straight yeah, too. The the American people, yeah. uh, maybe we should also look at the potential dating pools. <laughs> I'll, as a guy who's been married uh, with my wife long, almost 15 years now, I never used a dating app because when I was coming up, they didn't exist. I'm so glad I'm not in the dating pool, Rowdy. It's it's like, wow. I got a meme for you. That seems like the Wild West out there. And you don't know what you're getting. Catfished? Is it a... Are they, you know... Do they have the right parts for you? Or is it a... <laughs> It's a lot different than back in the day. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not in the game. So glad I'm out. But you can blame legalized sports gambling on it if you have your woes. I yeah, gambling has been around for as for long like as, as since you could gamble on anything. All I'm telling you is that I went to college. My first semester was fall of 2013. All those apps started becoming popular, I think, in like 2012. Yeah. So it was kind of the beginning for some of the bigger ones now. Let's just say the dating pools have vastly changed from then till now. <laughs> I've seen I've seen you show me some pictures. I'm like, oh, yikes. Hi, Rowdy. Everyone else out there, if you're single and gambling, just keep gambling. <laughs> Just keep, just keep rolling the dice. Because it's rolling the dice no matter what you're doing, right? Yeah.